Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Idle Thoughts. Now, this is uh, kind of a bit of a side podcast to Brainwaves normally, where the Brainwaves boys, that is myself, that is Jamie Adams, with me is Ian McAllister. Say hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. And Ian Chandler. Say hello, Ian. Hello, Ian. Beautiful. And we're going to talk about games that we've played, because we talk a lot about news and events that are happening in the board game world, we don't talk a lot about what we have been playing. Now, you're going to hear about it. So we actually met up fairly recently. Ooh. We all got together in the south side of Glasgow at the Lucky Sparrow Games Cafe, who are, of course, our executive producers. And if you're listening, Lucky Sparrow lot, hello, you're wonderful. And we had, well, we each brought uh, a mound of games, didn't we? We did indeed. So many games. Absolutely. Well, I had a big pile of review games from before lockdown that we finally got through some. <laughs> some reviews of those things are up on the website already. Some are coming. And today we just want to have a wee chat about our impressions of those games a little bit and what we I, thought I of also, them, that kind of thing. I would also like to say, uh, just before we start, if anyone's got any concerns about us all meeting up, the Lucky Spire Game Cafe does have uh, socially distanced measures in place. Basically, we sat at a table which was separate which was kind of subdivided by a a wall of cling film basically uh, and we and when we weren't eating or drinking we had our masks on pretty much all the time indeed which would be quite warm on a day like today it, is very it warm. would be warm on a day like today but yeah we we had our masks on we had hand sanitizer uh, i was about to say up the wazoo but that's doesn't bear thinking <laughs> about but we were <laughs> keeping not. we were keeping very very safe and very careful. We took every... I personally didn't have hand sanitizer anywhere other than my hands. I don't know about yourself. Yes. I was covered in it. We took every precaution. I wondered, I wondered why you were a little bit... You looked a little bit shiny. <laughs> yeah, Always. It was kind of slimy. It was very strange. Anyway. Anyway. I, we kicked off the day, I believe, with Overstocked. Indeed. So this is a game that I got sent by Play for Keeps Games. I believe they're coming to Kickstarter towards the end of August, start of September. And it's a little sort of, what would you call it, tiling game, sort of. You're effectively, what you're doing is you're playing cards from your hand, each of which has got six little squares on it, little rectangular cards. And you are building a little warehouse of toys from the past. These toys are similar to, but legally distinct from, Furbies, Yo-Yos, Tamagotchis, and what did we say the fourth one was? Care Bears, Care Bears I believe, or yeah. potentially Polypockets. Oh, or potentially poly yeah. but it did have a bear head on them so i think they're care bears i think they're probably care bears but well, anyway we, either way what you're doing is uh, each of you has got six of these cards and the game basically lasts until you play all your cards uh, you each start with a card in front of you which is another one of these little warehousey cards and you're building little contiguous segments of these toys like so joined up segments of tamagotchis and furbies and whatever and at the end of the game you score points based on the large, the contiguous area of, say, Furbies in your warehouse multiplied by the one in the central warehouse. There's the central warehouse, which is meant to be the popularity of those toys. So if I've got, like, five in my warehouse altogether, uh, side by side, and there's two in the central, you score ten points for those Furbies. The wee wrinkle to this game is that the most popular toy in the middle, the one that's got the largest contiguous area, is actually too popular. It's it's overstocked. Boom, boom. And it counts negative. So you've got this slightly weird push and pull between the players as you try and get, sort of make large areas for yourself and then keep an eye on what other players are going for and trying to make sure those toys they're going for become negative so you get the most points. 
There's a wee bit of push and pull, and it's quite a charming wee game. What did you two think of it? I thoroughly enjoyed it for what it was. Game of almost hmm. zero complexity. Basically, your uh, entire rules yeah. explanation and setup and taking out the box and convincing us to play was probably about 30 seconds. Yeah, about Yeah, something that. like that. I would yeah. say one of the other wee wrinkles which I did enjoy was you can uh, the cards you place down have to cover one or two tiles, like uh, sections of the other cards, uh, and if, if there are any workers on those tiles, they cannot be covered up. Yeah, there are workers in some of the tiles, and health and safety regulations say you're not allowed to drop large boxes on them. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. It's just though. government regulation gone mad. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those little games. Like it's not particularly mind blowing. It's a perfectly entertaining little time while you're there. I'll be putting up a proper review of it uh, later this month. Which will that be out by the time this podcast goes live? No, what? Well, it might be. Who knows? The the vagaries of time. Everything's up uh, in the air right now, everybody. Yep. Yeah. Uh, li- yeah. I'm literally throwing overstocked up in the air right now. But yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a perfectly fine game. Uh, I'll be doing a full review of it later. Uh, yeah, it was yeah quick, kind of simple, a good like I think a, I don't like to use the term filler game, but it was a good one that was just eased us in nicely to the Indeed. day. Completely agree. Yeah, it, it, I, I'd say I think calling it a filler game isn't uh, doing it a disservice. It's very quick playing. Uh, you can play it. We can play. We played a couple of rounds of it. There was a sort of expanded, slightly expanded rule set with a different point scoring system, which we didn't like as much, but read our review when it's up and we'll break that down a little bit further for you. One of the other games I brought with me was Swatch, which is from Minerva Games. Now, this was on Kickstarter recently, but has since cancelled uh, due to not like, not really getting going properly. And it's it's actually quite a cool wee game. Basically, its uh, its theme is colour mixing. So you're, you're playing car... You've got this sort of... Is Rondel the right word? It's not quite the right word. Basically, you've got this sort of stack of cards laid out on the table, three rows of five, and each round you're placing a little worker dude called an artist below one of these cards, and you're doing something with that card. You're either getting rid of it uh, so other people can't get it, uh, you're storing it in your hand for later so you can play it, or you're going to take the action on it, and the actions are like get certain colors, mix colors together, steal colors from other people, that kind of thing. And what you're aiming to do is you each have a secret goal where you're trying to mix particular colors together to get swatches, hence the name of the game, from a central sort of reserve. And you have to get particular swatches for your partic- for your own hidden goal. First person to get to three wins, sort of. We'll come to that in a second. <laughs> and yeah, so you're, you're mixing uh, colors together. You're mixing cyan, magenta, and yellow together to get red, green, and blue. And then you're using red, green, and blue to buy those swatches effectively and put them in front of you and i really like the central puzzle the central sort of like uh, putting your little meeple down to get things because one of the things that adds a little wrinkle to it I keep saying adding a little wrinkle to it is that not only you're obviously taking an action away from someone else but also the order of those meeples is the order you'll do the next round in so you're having to think about that and the last person each round can also sort of pop down onto the next row and grab something before you get there. It may, means they don't get a, an action next round, but they can grab something they really want. So there's a lot of nice little considerations in there. Really simple considerations, but quite compelling ones, I think. And yeah, the the, um, the cards you store, you can play after you play your meeple, so you can do little combos. And yeah, I, I found it like a really quite compelling little game. And it, it, 
the theme came through really well, I thought, for essentially what's a sort of worker placement kind of game. I thought the theme came through really strong. And yeah, I hope it comes back strong and gets started and does well. What did you think? I played this first with the designer Scott and Oliver of Tabletop Games Blog on one of Oliver's streams uh, in the middle of lockdown a couple of months ago. I was very intrigued. It was quite, I was actually quite entranced by just the speed of it and mm, just yeah. how how nice nice is a, a really a really useless word but i okay i'll try and let me change that instead of it saying fl- it nice it flows really easily the, the the flow of it i thought the very clean art style mm. very kind of lent weight to lent weight to the theme of just you know your artists trying to mix these colors and make it so it was just very simple blocks of color and once you've got you know a swatch you know the one of three that you need you put it next to you and you turn it over and it's got a little kind of funny name for it which i think is a lovely wee touch because you don't see them beforehand yeah yeah that's a fantastic yeah, no. mini reward when you turn it over mm. it's a yeah, lo- it's lovely reward but for me i think my favorite thing about it was how it is a game that forces you to be elegant and efficient because of the victory conditions which i know ian hasn't mentioned it but is when you get your final third swatch you are no longer allowed to take any turns. But if you have any resources left in front of you, any cyan, magenta, or yellow cubes, or red, green, or blue discs, they sit there just in front of you, and at the end of everyone else's turn, one disappears. Yeah. And only, only by having all three swatches and no resources in front of you can you be considered to win. So if I finish, but I have seven resources in front of me, there's an end game timer now in effect. Yeah, and yeah. I thought that was impossible that you could finish with just nothing, but Ian Chandler managed it. Yeah, Ian managed <laughs> it, the jammy git that he is. First time, yeah. only time playing. Bang. Um, Beginner's luck. I thoroughly enjoyed that mechanism, actually. That made the whole thing for me. Yeah. Because it meant that even... Like, I was sitting on my, the edge of my seat the whole game because I was skirting so close to disaster. And if one of you two had slightly messed with me, like literally even slightly, then I would have finished turns and turns behind. I should have messed with you more. Yeah. So that's Swatch from Minerva Games. Uh, it's not a Kickstarter anymore, but hopefully it'll be coming back. Um, in fact, I know it'll be coming back, Scott said. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and we'll be shouting about that when it's out and about. And you'll be able to play at a virtual expo as well, which may have got been by the time this cast goes out. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on when nope, it gets this, this, this cast? Oh yeah, this one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just want to say, I actually had a really poor impression of Swatch when you first got it out with the the overall description of it, because I saw contracts in the middle and resources and then a limited selection of actions. And I thought this is going to be another game where all of us just sit around a table and the person who best selects the actions in the middle then grabs the best contracts, which then gives a feedback loop that everybody else mm. falls behind and i've played so many games with contracts in the middle that are just soulless and i thought well the theme here is not much and then something about it everything really came together like that that core central mechanism of deciding the turn order by your placement really made it actually indeed sorry jamie you brought <laughs> on you, you brought our next game along didn't didn't you i did i brought uh, a game that i really enjoy i actually included it in uh, one of our recent articles, which was favourite games for under £20. Now, this one is a little bit of a cheat, but it is Biblios from Yellow. 
Uh, I believe it's still available to get. I would highly recommend it. Very simple game where it's a set collection game, but it has... It's a little bit different of a set collection game. Uh, the theme, such as it is, is that you are abbots of monasteries in the Middle Ages trying to get the best... Uh, the best items for your monasteries and your libraries in the monasteries. And you're collecting things like scribes and manuscripts and forbidden tomes. And whoever gets the most uh, value one, valuable ones gains victory points. Whoever gets the most victory points wins. Now, the victory points are represented by five dice. And throughout the game, there are cards that allow you to alter the value and therefore the victory points of the dice. Which can mean that if you see Ian is somehow hoarding the green cards you can just make the bottom fall out of the the points of the green and therefore all his work might come to nothing now it's done in two very simple phases that's all it is it's only two simple phases the first one is called the gift phase where uh the person whose turn it is takes the cards one at a time they've got to put one card face down in front of them obviously they can look at the cards before making this decision they can decide to put a card face down into the auction pile and then anything that they haven't left over, they have to put face up in the uh, middle of the board for other players to take one at a time in clockwise order. Now you do it one at a time. So for example, if I draw a card, I think, oh, that's really good. I'm going to put it in front of me. But I draw another card that's even better well, I've got to give it to auction or give it to these other players. And that goes around until it is, the deck is completely gone. And you have everyone has a pile in front of them of cards. And there is an auction pile. Then it is an auction phase. Then the auction deck is shuffled and is auctioned off. In the game, there are two types of cards. There is set cards. So they're in the various colors, red, green, blue, brown, and yellow. And there are money cards of various denominations. You buy, from the, with the auction, money cards with set cards, and you buy set cards with money cards. And the game goes on until the auction deck has been depleted. If that description made zero sense, don't worry, I've played this twice with Jamie, and both times, until about halfway through the game, I've gone, I don't know, this doesn't make any sense. And then halfway through the game, you go, oh, oh dear. Yeah, it's my- a game of stupid, agonizing decisions. <laughs> That's what it is. It's yeah. a game of terrible decisions. My apologies if my description was a little bit kind of, no, no, I it's- really don't care anymore, Jamie. I, I it's urge perfect you to please, if you can, find it and give it a try. Because it is a really just simple, yeah. enjoyable tense game where you know you do you draw a card that's like a three and it's the blue set and you know oh three's pretty good three good okay i'll put it there but you draw the next card and it's a four and you need to give it to the auction pile and then it comes up again when it's the auction and you want to buy it but you don't have enough money and ian next to you just bid something ridiculous and you go oh no oh no he's gonna buy it <laughs> yeah yeah you, you spend time sort of bumping up something and then someone takes it out from underneath you or you can't buy the right things. You've not got enough money cards. It's, it's a really cool little game, actually. I really enjoyed it. It burnt my brain completely, but yeah, yeah it's there, good fun. There was a lot. Of, there was a couple of times uh, Ian just sat there going, uh, yeah, like, uh, he, he, there, there, was, there was no discernible kind of 
tangible noises coming out of them. Oh yeah, nah. It's it, it's just another one of those games like like Swatch. It's got those agonizing moments of decision, which I really love in games when those those points of decision come up. They're great. Talk about Where's... agonizing decisions. <laughs> Let's move on to our next one, Valley of the Kings. Ooh, right, Ian. Yeah, this is your game. This is one of your favorites. Yes, this is a game like Jamie that I recommended in the under twenty pounds game on our website. Um, I love Valley of the Kings. Absolutely adore it. It is my favorite deck building game, hands down. Um, now, I'm going into this with a prejudice because, <laughs> yes. as 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 has maybe said a number of times, I have a very rocky relationship with deck building games. So I brought it to the cafe, knowing full well that Jamie did not like deck building games. So it's a it's a really simple standard deck builder where you have five cards. Uh, you choose what to do with your five cards. You buy stuff from the market. And then at the end of your turn, you get rid of all your five cards. And then at the end of the game, the person with the most victory points wins. Easy peasy. The theme is you are all pharaohs. You are buying stuff to throw away in your tomb. And at the end of the game, you die. The person with the most and best rubbish that they have thrown away wins. Um, Key is that, of course, if you throw a card away, you can't use it. So my favorite thing in the game is sitting with a hand of cards going, these are all excellent. And I need to bin one of them. And because yeah. yeah, because you are constantly, constantly binning cards, like literally every turn you want to bin a card at the very least, your hand of cards and your entire deck stays about ten cards. So that thing in deck building where you end up with this massive bloated deck that no longer does anything whatsoever doesn't happen. And you end up with a deck that's five to ten cards of excellent cards that you have bought. And they all combo together wonderfully. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I ended up with a deck bigger than that. So I, was bad <laughs> I, I was likewise yeah. also bad at it and spent a lot of time looking at the pair of you going, "How how how are you doing this? I, I've just got all this rubbish, rubbish." <laughs> Whereas because I've played it a hundred times, I managed to get my entire deck down to five cards. Yeah. So every turn no, I no, drew part, part of me those same five. Part cards. of me was a little. You know, it's it's always the problem with a lot of board games if someone has played it a lot and they bring it to new people. Yep. And if there's specific strategies or stuff like you know certain cards are coming, so you you know you would buy certain cards and you said you know this is quite good, but it'll allow me to do things with a couple of other cards later. Absolutely. And we're like, yeah. I'm yep. like, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And but at the same time, I went, but if you if you hadn't said that. It would have been very. It would have been very easy for you just to have not said anything, wiped the floor with us, and gone. You know, it's just it's how the cards fall, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's always going to be a factor of that, and we'll no, come back I, to I, that I, in a I, game I know, later but I think on. it's. I think it's because it's deck building, and yeah. maybe I just don't have the eyes, and maybe need to try and just play more. Uh, I, yeah. I would like to say I did actually enjoy Valley of the Kings, although I wasn't great at it. I think. You and I drew Ian for the win. Yeah, 30, 36 points each, according to my board game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I don't have the eye for the combos yep. that kind of can come from things. So, yeah, I think I, and that's yeah. my personal that's my personal disadvantage. Maybe that's siring it slightly in my eyes, but I'm at least I'm aware of it. Yeah, it's absolutely a game that rewards understanding the combinations you can get in it and building either towards those or just. What I think I like most about it is adapting on the fly because you'll see how the the scoring at the end of the game is set collection. So what you want to do is 
both maximize your own set and disrupt other people's, which means you end up buying stuff that other people want, which doesn't combo with your stuff because all the sets combo together. So you end up destroying your own deck, trying to break other people's stuff, at which point every single turn is a little mini puzzle of these cards that don't work together unless you can end up doing something weird, which is my favorite thing of just drawing five cards and going, oh, this is terrible. Wait a minute. I can do something cool. Um, which is, yeah, it's just my favorite thing, drawing those five cards and going, this is awful. But <laughs> <laughs> if I... Yeah, just... I, really, I really enjoyed it. Definitely want to play it more. And there's lo- there's three expansions out for now, and there's a deluxe where it's got all the minutes, some extra cards, that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah if you want to try it out, it's super cheap to buy. The, the sort of core sets are out there for not very much at all. 12 to 14 pounds? Absolutely brilliant. I would not recommend the Something deluxe. Like I would recommend getting one of the box sets for 12 to 14 yeah. pounds. That's it. If you uh, talking about very cheap games, so the next one we played after we break for lunch and before we went on to our sort of main Ma- game, I guess. Our main uh, was course, l- yeah. Our main course was Letterpress. Now, this is one I've had. I've played a little bit before. Um, I, I, again, another game I got just before lockdown from Osprey Games. Uh, thanks very much for sending that out, folks. It's a word game. So word games have a little bit of an odd history in board games. Obviously, there's Scrabble and things like that. And I've tried a few different word games uh, I've tried Wordsy from Gilhova and uh, Formal Ferret Games. Uh, I'm sure I've tried a couple of others. We played Letter, Letter Jam at UK Games Expo last year. Letter Jam was quite good, yeah. Letter Jam is a sort of cooperative word game, yeah. Uh, but Letterpress is a competitive game, and effectively what you're doing is each round you are drafting uh, five cards for your hand that are all letters, and then you are trying to make the best word you can from those cards and a shared pool of three letters and two vowels. And the, the best letter is determined by points. The little sort of trick in the game as well is that you are you also have certain challenges to get towards. So that might be like only use word only use letters from your hand or use all the letters that are available in the shared pool or something like that. And at the end of each round, the person with the most points gets to choose a couple of cards from all the letters that were used and put them in a little library of sorts for the very final round. And you also get to put any challenges that you manage to win into that pile. So you're doing this for four rounds, basically doing the same thing. And then the final round, you're making a word from the shared pool again, but also all the letters that you have won over the course of the game which I really, really like as a mechanic because it means that even if you're not that great at words, you can win some of the challenge cards by just hitting the right points tools or hitting particular goals and still have a chance of getting the best final word, which is the only one that really counts for the game end. And yeah, it's a really fast-playing fast little game. It's got a solo mode, which I haven't tried as well. It's a super compact little box. Uh, you don't need to write anything down or record scores or anything like that on paper. Uh, you just play through it, get to the end, job's good. And yeah, it's, I think it's like 12, 14 pounds or something. It's, it's a really neat wee, wee game I really quite like. I'll be reviewing it fully very soon. Yeah. Yeah. We should say it's by Robin David, who is great. He's a lovely person, um, or at least seems yes. to be on Twitter. Yeah, I was a little worried when you mentioned the scoring mechanism. I thought he would end up with a feedback loop where the person who was best at the initial scoring each words each round would end up with a massive selection at the end. But of course, mm-hmm. if you get the best selection, then you just draft first. 
at which point you have the agonizing choice of choosing either a good word, sorry, a good letter that is easy to use and scores zero points, or an incredibly difficult to use letter that will score you plenty of points if you can use it at the end, but of course is incredibly hard yeah. to use. So There always seems to be plenty there, of choice. You can try and work towards getting a word, hoping that the central word letters will get you that thing. There's a bit of yeah. sort of risk reward there as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably one of the better player games I've play- played. I played it with uh, my wife Kath as well, and she quite liked it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's was... a good game. I think I'll probably stain in the collection that one. As someone who hates Scrabble, absolutely hates it, I really enjoyed Letterpress. Actually, I was very impressed with it. See, on the other cool. side, I quite enjoy Scrabble. I liked Letterpress. I think I just found it annoying and finicky. But that might just be just me playing it for the first time, going, but it's. And it's the typical Scrabble Scrabble problem of going, there are these letters. I can't make anything, for goodness sake. But yeah. I think a lot of it was, I think a lot of it was also, it's like, oh, I've made this word. I, I can't believe I've made a word. And you like beat me by like one point. And I'm like, oh, come on. I think there were come three on! rounds where I beat you on the draw by like chance of having a higher letter score or something like that. Yes. And that yeah. was, because it happened three times in a row or something like that. I felt quite guilty about that at the end. No, it's fine. It's it's just me being a little bit grumpy. It's got that drafting thing to it as well. Of you've caused some of your own problems as well. Like you get your final set of cards each round, and you're like, you know that you've caused some of those problems. <laughs> what you mean? That, you mean a round where we drafted, and I think you got a Y, Ian. Ian got a G, and I got a J, and we're all sitting there going, "Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks for everything you've taken out of here." Yeah, indeed. Every single time at so, the yeah. end of the draft, I just went, "What idiot gave me these letters?" And I was, like, "Oh no, <laughs> that was me." <laughs> that that's drafting for you. Yeah. Anyway, our final game of the day before we headed off our separate ways was the Behemoth that is a root. So Jamie had just gotten the new expansion. That's the Underworld expansion, and I had been holding his core game hostage since the start of lockdown. You flipping had. Uh, <laughs> I, I lent i lent right okay i lent this game to ian you know and about feb when do we meet february possibly Something and, I was, like that, yeah. and, and he, he said can i borrow root and the river folk and i went yeah absolutely fine you know here's my copy um it's gonna be a couple of weeks you know i'll be fine i'll get it back um and then you know the global pandemic that is covid19 just got very serious and i have not seen it until the beginning of august and the and the underworld expansion arrived and i I got a little bit of extra money, and I got the the um, resin clearing markers. I got the extra vagabond stuff, and I sat there going, "I can't play this." Also, the new deck, Exiles and Partisans. Holy goodness, that is good. But, so but we did good. get together. Yeah, we played with that new deck. We played with the resin clearing markers, and we played with the moles and the covids. The, the corvids, not the covids. <laughs> not the covids. <laughs> we are not. Pl- Wow. Pat- Patrick Lader, if you're hearing this, or Cole Burrell, if you're hearing this, it is not the Covids. It is the Corvids. I'm sorry. This is not a sorry. suggestion for a new faction. Uh, yeah, so I played the Moles, and they were really cool. I really enjoyed the Moles. So the Moles thing was you started quite small. You started in a small corner of the board. Uh, you had quite a lot of troops. Uh, you had a central sort of warren that you could make tunnels appear on the map and push your soldiers out of that war and onto the map. That was that was neat. But the main thing was you could hire basically mole royalty. And as the game progressed and you got into more clearings, you could hire different and better mole royalty. And you had quite restricted actions as the moles. You only have like a couple of actions a turn. But every time you hire like one of these advisors into your into your court, 
uh, you get a free action of that particular type. So like maybe you get a free move or a free uh, attack or something like that. So you're build you're basically snowballing this um, this mole army, and it was really cool. Like once I got a ha- once I got the hang of it, it was really neat. I really enjoyed the moles. But of course, if you lose any buildings in combat, you have to get rid of some of your lords, and their the ability to secure them is removed from the game. Yeah, they're gone forever. And also, also every time you get a court member, that gives you victory points. That's one of the ways the moles get victory points is by making this court appear. And yeah, by the end of the game, I had like ridiculous numbers of free actions. It, it was yeah. great fun to, was to sort of steamroll all that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 came, I came very close to winning there, but not quite. Yeah. Jamie was playing the uh, Jamie was playing the Corvids. Yeah, crows. Um, I like to play. I like sneaky playing. Crows. I like playing kind of low model count. Uh, kind of guerrilla factions and i'm no good at playing them i know this is my first time but even so um the corvids thing is there's not a lot of them there's about 15 guys you can have um but they they they're basically about the map and they place plots now it can be a number of things it could be a snare uh that means it when it's flipped over when it's revealed these are all face these are all face down tokens on the board so the other players don't know what they are if they're placed face up the snare you cannot recruit uh, models or move uh, models out of that area there's extortion which uh, ba- basically means i get to draw an extra card at the end of uh, my turn there is a raid which means if it's ever removed face down or face up um every adjacent clearing gets a corvid warrior placed in there and there is the bomb which when it is flipped all enemy models just get taken off the board of that clearing yeah, they seemed really hard to play the corners. I mean, it's the first time I've seen them and the first time you play them. So, but they did seem really quite tricky. It to was. Play. It, it, I think I need to work on misdirection a lot more because yeah. it's placing down. It's placing down uh, plots, but then as I did a little bit at the beginning of the game, basically playing the shell game of going, I can swap these plots about. Oh, where are they going to be? Which one is it? Is it a bomb? Is it not? Because at any t- time on their turn any one of your opponents can go see that clearing that fox clearing i'm going to give you a fox card or show you a fox card is this this kind of plot and if uh if it is i say yes it is and the plot just goes if it's not they give me the card so it's a lot of bluff double bluff triple bluff yeah the corvids are basically playing poker effectively it's all lots lots of bluffing and moving moving things around whereas the the moles, they're not they're not really playing like traditional RTS game like the cats are. And the Ian was Ian Chandler was playing the cats. I don't know what the moles are like actually. I don't know what the comparison there is. We'll get back to you on that for a comparison. Don't worry. But Ian, yeah. how did you find <laughs> playing the cats? Because this is your fr- you've played a lot of route. This is your first time playing the cats. Yes. Yeah. So I have definitely played a lot of route, and yeah, the cats <laughs> were. So I previously watched the cats and gone, these guys are horrifying. They start everywhere. They have so many buildings. They pump out so much every single turn. But of course, saw exactly the limitations of the cats, which was they start everywhere. They start really strong with lots of options. And I rocketed up the victory point marker. Um, And then every single turn saw more cats get murdered, more cats die, more buildings get burnt. The mole, the mole kingdom took objection. (laughs) Yeah, I I Uh, tried, I tried to help, but the the, the crows were there, and then they weren't. (laughs) If if it wasn't for a couple, a couple of unlucky rolls, I think I would have had that game. Absolutely. And then by the end of the game, I, 
I think it's I got to 28 victory points thinking this is it I have the game in the bag there is literally nothing they can do about it and then three turns later I got one last victory point and just pushed the victory point marker onto the 30 point that was yeah. a horrifying yeah, for, experience and just for a good couple of turns you just yeah, yeah at that point yeah. just sat there as we slowly began to creep up absolutely i played uh, i played root online with some friends recently on the tabletop simulator and i almost managed a dominance victory with the cats oh my goodness i came very close so that was my initial thinking with the cats it was like i've got cats everywhere but not only that the the way the clearings were set up there were bunny clearings to my end and i started with a bunny clearing dominance card so it's like no matter what i can i've got the dom the dominance sealed up because i can block off the entrances there's only two ways in and then of course that was based on traditional route (laughs) which did not have and the route we were playing on the mountain map which is one of the new ones that came with the underworld expansion which along with you know, being separated clearings, there are tunnels which you need to excavate, which get you a point. They there get you also, a point. Thank point, goodness, that's tunnels. How you won. That is how I won. Without those tunnels, I would have been dead in the water at 28 yeah. victory points. And that's it. I would still be there to this there was, day. <laughs> there was also a the keep, which is in the center of the board. And basically, if you if you are the dominant faction in there, at the end of your turn, you gain a victory point just for for securing it, which I think I just leapt on as much as I could yeah. for like a, I'll try and get some points. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Root, Root continues to be fantastic. It's an amazing game. I'm, uh, Kat's getting some of it for my birthday that's coming up. So I'm getting the core <laughs> of the River Folk, Folk expansion. And I might ask for other bits of it from uh, my family as well. So just get everything basically. Cause it's absolutely fantastic. And I've got, uh, and we're hoping to get back to playing Oath at some point. Which is oh, yes. the next My later game goodness. coming when yeah. the TTS uh, mod rules have updated. Um, so we're hoping to get back to that because that has changed radically since we played it. Um, when did we play that? Last year? I thought it was January. the very beginning of this year. In no, the very beginning of this year. That's right. January, yeah. February this year, I put together my copy. And we had an interesting time. So for context... I'm not sure it was good, but it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to play Oath a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, just before yeah. we played the Root game, and found it drastically streamlined, and with the knowledge from the first game of Oath, went into it and had a, a drastically better time, just on I'll, all I'll, levels. I'll, I'll be honest, boys, If we play when we play it again, I was going to say if, no, when we play it again, I'm not sure I'm going to have much remembrance in the last game because i I, what i spent most of the time doing was sitting around at the very edge of the map trying to do things getting smacked down when i tried and then i drew one card which somehow made me win the game like i literally drew a card that went i'll play this (laughs) okay the game's ended yeah who wins the person with this most type of points who's got that you're the only person with those kind of points because you played that card yeah oh so i'm so i'm the winner then yeah, yes. I, I think I think that kind of thing's been fixed quite a lot. They have changed a lot of stuff. Absolutely, I've looked up Root since on Board Game Geek, and it has a a weight oath? rating of sorry, oath. Yeah, as a weight rating of four out of five, which I think is almost entirely down to how obscure your actions are to how you actually achieve victory in the game. And the yeah. the version I've played since, um, 
The victory conditions were constantly changing, but it was due to the input of the players each turn. And it was the players going, okay, I'm going to win and I'm going to change the victory conditions so that I can do so, and planning a couple of turns ahead rather than it being a random weird thing that nobody quite controlled. I've only read through the new rules and it's the version before the one we are hoping to play and everything seems much, much clearer to me already. Okay. But anyway... We will get. We will bring you news on that when we get to it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, the best way to help us out is to share the cast around and give us a review and rate on iTunes. We'll be bringing you more idle thoughts over the course of the year, and we might stick to this format a little bit when we meet up and play some games. We'll just have a chat about things we played, or if there's particular things we want to bring to your attention, we'll do these kind of casts when we can. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>